0: Hello and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. I am recording this intro immediately after finishing the podcast because I am feeling so inspired and excited after this conversation. It is with Aaron Gillespie from Underoath, And we came into this conversation. I knew that the band had written a new album and I just wanted to talk to my friend about it. I didn't have a full on series of questions but I just wanted an honest perspective of his view of making this album with the rest of the band and how it came to be. And what this conversation ended up being was the realest conversation. And it was so cool. We also talk a little bit in the beginning of just how wildly interesting and challenging it is to be a creative in this day and age and what taking some time to reflect has taught us. Very interesting, extremely real conversation. Just like the last time, I left this being so, so inspired by him and impressed by him. So without further ado, let's just get right into it. Thank you for listening, enjoy, share it if you like it. I was listening back to our last the, the last bit of the episode Huh. And it was like really cool. Like it hit me all over
1: again. Just like that conversation. It was and a great conversation. And, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that, thinking about our last podcast. And we were kind of talking about like my origin story, you know, and as much as much as I talk about that, I was just thinking about talking to you today as well. And when you do a podcast, when you do an interview, a lot of times people ask you your origin story, you know, how did, yeah, how did you get going or like, how did. You know, what, whether you're an artist or a musician or a filmmaker or whatever the fuck you do, there's always like that that question. And I think something that I never talk about. And I wanted to mention this to you today because it's super interesting. Yeah. And I've had two weeks off. This is the first thing I haven't done anything for two weeks, so which has been super nice. But I was thinking about this a lot lately, with being in the arts, which i hate I hate that phrase, but it's true. like, i'm in what the was arts. Our other
0: phrase from the last one authentic that yeah. was our, like we kept we're like fucking
1: damn it <laughs> there's always a <laughs> phrase but no but you know like being in the arts like we've sort of been at the mercy of this thing the last two years and whenever i have time off like i really try to like take stock of like where i'm at you know mm-hmm. and i don't mean like financially or my career not that way i mean like yeah where am i at like as a as a person that makes stuff Like, yeah. After two weeks off going forward, am I going to be healthy? You know, because I work like we've I talked with you about last time I work on a lot of other people's music. And yeah, I don't want to like dip a rotten toe in somebody's pool. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like
0: interesting.
1: So I've been thinking about this and I was going to talk. I haven't talked to anybody about this. And I thought it'd be a fun place for us to start today. Like, how? How have I been affected? And anybody who creates and especially people that create for other people, like, how have we been affected over the last, let's say, let's call it 20 months, 21 months, whatever for the sake of what we do and what we're talking about, like, how have we been affected moving forward? Yeah. And how, and how do we like unpack that? Cause I've been having these weird, like dude, like fucking like manic mornings where like I wake up. And it's so strange. I'm like, I suck at music. Like, my life is over. Like, I'm no good at this. And then by noon, I'll have made something. I'm like, I'm the best. Look at what I've created. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then it's 3 p.m. And I'm like, I'm awful. Yeah. I should get a job at the grocery store. Like, dude,
0: it's crazy that you're saying that because like, One, I've experienced it too. Like, just, I don't know what it is, like this amount of time for reflection or whatever, but like, not only myself, but like so many of my friends, I would say 98% of my friends, I have had a similar conversation of like, hey, have you questioned literally everything you've ever done in the point of existence and if you're (laughs) even doing the right thing (laughs) at all? And it's like, what the fuck? Like, and is it, all around Corona. Is I, that it? Or is it like, I don't know. Is it just that we're this bad with idle time? Like it's, it's the
1: weirdest fucking thing, isn't it? So what you just said is the part that I am wrestling with the, And that was my next sentence before we started talking more is, are we horrible as creative people with idle time? Like, are yeah. we capable? Are we capable of resting? right and the answer that i have deduced in the last two weeks because typically even during the pandemic like i'm here in the studio making someone's stuff 40 hours 50 hours 60 hours a week like i'm busy yeah. but the last two weeks music shuts down like right. no one oh, does dude, anything it fucking shuts down it shuts down like so Our i industry I does just stopped working for the first time in a year and I realized how bad I am at rest. Like I oh. don't rest well.
0: Dude, I, again, you're, you're speaking, you're speaking my language.
1: Isn't that weird though? And I, and I talked to like other people who were like friends of mine who were like with quotation fingers, regular people. Like they yep. have like business jobs
0: yep. and they like more
1: structure, structure more normal. They're yeah. like last Friday, I talked to a buddy who was like, isn't this great? And I'm like, dude, I'm going to fucking, I'm going (laughs) to shave my head. Like, (laughs) like I'm miserable. And I'm going through these stages, you know, of like imposter syndrome, fucking like I'm the best, like all of this stuff. And it's, yeah, and it's never been like this. You know, we always take these two weeks off and it's Mm -hmm. never been like this. So my question is, Are we bad at resting because we've been, finger quotation marks, resting for 20 months? Yeah. Or is it just like a new thing? Like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, what do you think? I've been thinking about this as well. And I think
0: it's a combination of things because like lately, something that I keep telling myself is, well, it's slow down, but it's like, it's the idea of being okay with that because that's what I can't do. Right. And I realized that it's really fucking easy to dodge or not confront your problems when you're really busy. When I get like this, like I really actually stressed myself out with goals this year. I was like trying to summarize and put all my goals together and it oh, you wasn't wrote it fun. out. Yeah, 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 I I try. I try. Not that I'm like fucking Mr. Life Coach or anything like that, but like I really try to name some goals and make them actionable and tangible and put yeah. something on paper, but like I took away all of the hyper-focused details and all of this like obsessive feeling, and I just went back to that energy of what feels good, and that helped me a lot. So I think I don't know. I don't know how to answer that, but I think that it's a very real thing that we all feel. And I just I had did to, the like, same thing,
1: chill. essentially. <laughs> you know, I, I essentially I did the exact same thing on a different level. Like, I think with me, I'm not a goal writer because. Much like you just said, I believe that it would eat me. Like if I, yeah, sat, yeah, dude. I, if I sat here and wrote out what I want to happen in 22, I don't know that two things would happen. Number one, I would not write anything down. I would stare at an empty screen <laughs> or a piece of paper, or I would write down like, write Beyonce's next single. You know what All I right,
0: mean? That, that, what you just said there, that's what fucks you up. That's it. If you write, you're like, okay, cool. What would be great? I'd love to write that. And then when you're not doing it, you're like, I'm a fucking worthless piece of shit. I wrote it down. Why am I not writing Beyonce's next single? Yeah.
1: So, and I think it's brought on by, you know, with me in the music industry, and this is the people that I have in my corner and on my team and in my band are the best. And you know, some of them like, they're oh the God. best. Yes. But sometimes- the other people in your life, even if they're quote, the best can bring pressure to, you know, my publisher oh. who is like one of the closest people in the world and someone that she's who I work with the most, more than Randy, more than anyone. She's like my day to day boss, right? Like we, yeah. we have a catalog of hundreds of songs together and she'll, she'll just say things like 2022 star emoji. It's going to be the thing. And I'm like, is it? You yeah, know? right? Is it like, and she means nothing but amazingness. You know what I mean? Like, she's, but she's like in, in, in involved in massive songs. She's had songs placed with Beyonce and shit. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm like, am I, am I like good enough to like warrant your star emoji? Cause, cause, cause right now, like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. much yeah. like you just said, where you simplified it. In the last two weeks, what I've decided is like, I just have to make the best shit I can make. Mm -hmm. And that shit might not be good enough for Beyonce. Well, I'm saying Beyonce. Mm -hmm. I don't even know why I'm saying Beyonce, but you know what I mean? Like- sure, Insert huge artist. Yeah, whatever. Like maybe it's not that, but it's least is as high as I can get, you know? And and not even like as good as I can get, but as true as I can make it. You know, I think that's my goal for 2022. And then just I'll say it out into the ether just to be heard. Is like I want to make the realest shit in 2022. Whether that's live performances or recording songs for the people, uh, lyrics like whatever I write down, whatever I put down on a, on a, any recording machine or whatever stage I step onto, I just want it to be true. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that like yeah. that's freed me up in the last couple weeks a lot. It's just going look like if it's big, whatever. If it's small. Whatever, but if it's real, then at least it'll be fucking real, you know. Like you just Mm -hmm. said, like what do I actually fucking care about? Do you know what I mean? Like, and when I break it all down, it's like I care about being a good friend, a good husband, a good dad, and honest at what I make. That's really all I care about. And when you just take, it's only four things, right? And that that's freed me up because if everything explodes. No matter what happens, those four things can always happen. I can always be a good friend, good husband, good dad, and honest at my creation. There's this book,
0: uh, Atomic Habits, and it's not even like my Bible, but like there's just this one spot in it that I was like, that's actually really cool. Off of your four things, if you were to make new habits and only focus on that, it will at first, it'll go like a hockey stick. It won't be a linear graph. So you you have linear graph of progress. And then you have like this little bit. And for a long time, it's lower because you're breaking the mold of always checking socials or getting caught up in busy shit and getting distracted. And it's this weird valley, but then it's a hockey stick of incremental growth. And he calls that gap the valley of disappointment. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. but I think again, it's like, (laughs) you have to be comfortable with that. And I think that when I feel that it's like, it's also, it's like, fuck, this is probably personal growth. If I'm thinking of this and if I'm uncomfortable and if I'm in this mindset, maybe that means that I'm aware of something that I wasn't before and I'm
1: challenging myself to grow. So fuck you world. Let's <laughs> the grow. valley of disappointment is so dark.
0: <laughs> dude, I
1: know. Dude, this reminds me of something. So I guess it would have been like in September, this past September, we played our first show under oath, played our first show in like almost two years. It was like, the guy, yeah. I think Spencer and Chris or somebody went and found the number. It was yeah. like 600 and fucking what, you know, some like grotesque three digit number. And we went <laughs> and played this. Three-digit. We went and played this festival in Virginia <laughs> and it was awesome. Like it was yeah, awesome. D- I, there was so Dan many. And Newman
0: people. went with you, right? There was some tour. Of it, yeah, some yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah, yeah. was
1: just this huge thing. And I posted a picture of it. Yeah, and yeah. And it was a, just, you know, it's it's the obligatory. There's all these people, and we're it's like
0: all epic. You have the drumstick. Yes, your hair's going you know,
1: crazy. It's the yeah. that fucking picture. You know, like every guy has that. You know, every yeah. guy or gal yeah. that's in a band at some point. Post that photo. So I posted that photo, and I I haven't told anybody this, but this is what I think about when I see that photo now. So let's rewind our band really didn't have any success until like real world success until 2005. Right. Yeah. We put out chasing safety in 2004 and the ladder started sort of climbing or whatever, but you were in the Valley of disappointment. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let me get there. So I post this picture a couple months ago and there's tens of thousands of people or whatever the shit is. And I think about this when I think about that photo now. So in 2002 or three, we started touring full time. And at that, at that point, there was no money involved, right? We didn't have like, there was no, there was no like, we're going to get a bus or stay in a hotel. It wasn't that. It was like, mm-hmm. you would meet, I don't even know how this happened. Like I lived for years like this. We used to just stay at people's houses from the show. Yeah, dude. How the fuck yeah. does that happen?
0: I actually talked about that on another podcast. And I was like, hey, if this is still a thing, will you let us know? Dude, and like I
1: would love are- to know. It, it is. It is. It's still real. It's still real. Okay. So we can unpack that later. But let me tell this yeah. one story. So I don't understand how you would find the folks that would let you stay at their house. I don't get it. Like, I remember. I don't know. Did you say it from stage? I don't remember. Like, dude, I have no idea. But, yeah, one particular evening, and this is what I think about when I think about this this successful photo that I post on Instagram. one particular <laughs> evening, we went to this girl's house, and it's weird from the jump. you know, it's like, oh, the kind of, thing, out of when the you way. explain that on paper too,
0: of like staying at strangers' houses after shows, people are like, "What the fuck? Like I yeah, I'd lived Sorry. that way
1: for years, which yeah. I don't even I don't know how I'm alive or how I I don't get it anyways. Like, this particular evening, we get there, and there's, like, not a lot of lights on. It's weird, right? Like, and the house is, like, like it's all different splits. It's like a split-level kind of home. I live in a split-level home now. So, like, okay. like I'm, in, I'm on the third floor, and then there's a middle floor, and then I'm on the bottom floor, there's a middle floor, and then we have a third floor. And the house was kind of like that, but everything was stone. And, and okay. I'm not, I'm making it sound grandiose. This was, like, not... Grandiose. We get there and we're disgusting. You know, at that stage, yeah. you like shower once a week. It's like, yeah, you're a and So somebody says something about, like, hey, can we use your shower? She goes, no, the shower's closed, but closed. She said, closed. She goes, no, the shower's closed. We have a, a bathtub upstairs. I'm like, fuck. So one guy goes upstairs and tries to take a bath and somehow is the only room that was heated. So we all ended up in the room with this dude while he's taking a bath. <laughs> just hanging out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it sounds so insane,
0: but that also is just tour. You're just like, well, yeah, I mean, it's the heated room. So, so you drain, got.
1: <laughs> drain, refill, repeat, like in a line. And this girl who we don't know. Dude, I swear this girl who we don't know keeps coming in. You guys need anything? And we're like, no. <laughs> Do you fuck? at least have like a
0: little curtain or something no, for the no, bathtub? Dude. Or is it just no. the honor system of like, don't it, look at your guys while you're yeah. bathing?
1: Yeah, it was <laughs> wild. So at some point, dude, I wish, I wish, I wish I could like, my memory was more vivid because some of these no, stories. it's perfect are, this way with the holes in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so at some point, um, I go downstairs and I'm like, man, I gotta pee really bad. And I ask her, She's like in the kitchen area. I'm like, can I use, can I use the bathroom? She's like, you guys are in the bathroom. I'm like, and at uh-huh. this point, I'm like, <laughs> there's, a, there's a naked dude in the tub. The other guys are sitting on the ground. Can I just pee in the other bathroom? I don't want to use the shower. So I go into the, the, the fucking, the closed shower, right? And I pull the curtain back. I'm interested. You know, I'm like, yeah, I got to yeah. know why the shower's closed. Somebody's got to tell me so i'm peeing and while i'm peeing in the act of peeing i open the shower curtain and there is a fucking skunk in the you know like the tub shower is
0: it is it alive or dead it's,
1: it's alive totally alive <laughs> and it's like i can hear its finger it's fingernail you know what i'm talking about it's like scratching around and i'm just blown away I'm blown away. <laughs> was it like a pet skunk do you? I don't thing, know. Did I they didn't say any it or... I shut <laughs> the door. We slept on the floor for three hours and we left and never heard from her or anything again. But I tell that stupid ass story to say like the the seventeen years between those two vignettes, you know mm-hmm. like the, <laughs> the 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 Tens of thousands of people a couple months ago. (laughs)
0: The drumstick hitting you. You know, like the
1: hair and like all the equipment and the people and they know the words and the thing and then, you know, taking a leak and there's a fucking skunk. With the skunk shower. Like that arc, that hockey stick between there and there and every, every stop along the way feels bigger than it is. Do you know what I mean? Like. And as we're talking about it, it's so interesting to me that like, you know, you've seen me in the element with the stick in my hand. Mm-hmm. You've seen it. It's not oh, that I've exciting.
0: Do you know what I mean? Like, what are you talking The production and the crazy and No, 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 no but I'm everything? saying like,
1: but in conversation, what's more exciting? The skunk or the drumstick? The skunk. A hundred percent. You see what I mean? Like, so I think, yeah. I think, uh, you know, about your book. Like I think that the beginning of like what's really the important stuff, like and, and designing that is more important than the valley and then even the goal because I've met the goal and I'm thankful. Like the goal was to get all the way there, and mm-hmm. there was a many different goals set from Skunk House to stage eight <laughs> weeks ago in front of ten thousand people or whatever. You know what I mean? There's yeah. many different yeah. bars set in between, but I think my favorite part of all of it is down to those four little things. We were doing something we loved. We were being really honest with people. We might've been sleeping in a skunk house, but at least we had that, you know what I mean? And the problems then, the problems that we had to solve and the feelings that we had and the communication that we were able to have was so much more profound when it was so distilled down to that really simple thing. So how, the moral of what I'm trying to say is how do we get back to skunk house on that level? Mentally, how do we get how do we mentally get back to skunk house, but still be in the photo with a stick? You know what I'm saying?
0: That just fucked me up. How do we do it? Is I think, dude, well, I think that's the goal, dude. I think is to be in the weeds and to like to be in that skunk house energy. Yes. But do you ever like, okay, so this is crazy that you're saying this because I was, again, like I was telling you, I was kind of like going through goals and I have one other friend and we always bounce goals back and forth to each other. And I did this exercise and like, I actually got emotional when I did this, but oh wow! I wrote myself a letter to myself five years in the future. And this was like right when I moved to California and it was so hard for me. And I'll, I'll just read you this last little thing I wrote to myself because it feels this and it's it's that same thing. So it concludes with, remember, my friend, right now you're going through the hardest times, but just like we car told SIO on Warp 2011, enjoy every second of them because in a strange way, they're the most fun. Appreciate this ride. Life becomes a lot better when you have fun with it.
1: That's the fucking skunk house, dude. That's the truth, though. It's ah uh, I was listening the other day I was listening to um I think it was the labeled podcast which is um yeah. Matt from Emory Matt Carter has a podcast that kind of tells this the like stories and history of Tooth and Nail Records which is you know where all our career Iconic. started and yes. Tim was on and I had never listened to it. Oh, his is so good. Oh, dude This is so cheesy and he's going to make fun of me because he listens to your podcast. But yeah, I got emotional listening to it. And what I loved about the podcast is it wasn't about Define the Great Line, selling 100,000 copies in week one and all the rooms that Under Oath has sold out and blah, blah, fucking blah, like all that stuff. It was about 04. It was like this vignette of time when we were first like doing it. When we made that album yeah. and it was crazy to hear him talk about it because everybody, you know, everybody in any situation has a different viewpoint, different vantage yeah. point. And his was so interesting. And I literally got emotional listening to it, wishing, you know, and my, I, my life is so good. I'm so thankful. Like I have a beautiful totally. family, but I was like, I wish we were there, you know, like, and not so much like physically, like I wish we were in 04, but I wish that, intellectually. Yeah. Life was as simple as it was in 04. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cuz like- that
0: always, man, always. It always as soon as you go back and you reminisce, it feels simpler. I'm sure you had bullshit problems then. Of and course. I'm sure those weighed upon you. But now you're just focusing and remembering that crazy
1: special moment. Dude, it's I, you know, I, I'm just, I, I think I'm the worst at it because I'm creative and you create scenarios that are worse than they are. You know, you wake up, I'm the worst. You, it's 3 p.m. I'm the yeah. best. It's 4 p.m. <laughs> I'm the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and you need people. You need people. It's great that you have that friend. You guys always bounce goals off each other. You need people to be like, yeah, man. Like, remember what you wrote yourself or remember what you told yourself. I think back in 04, of course there was bullshit. Like, Do we have enough T-shirts? Do we know where we're going to sleep tonight? Those are way different issues than we have the biggest tour of our career in eight weeks and the world is in a weird... Those are different issues. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, do we have enough gas to get from Detroit to Lansing?
0: Some definite new levels, new devils moments right there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, dude. So I think, you know, I think that, again you know, in summation of this whole thing is distilling everything down to just the simplest stuff. Like what fucking really, really matters. You know, and I think yeah. for me, if I, I try to compartmentalize it in my life, it's being a great dad, a great husband, a great friend and making real stuff in my creative life. Right. And I think in Under Oath, it has to look like this, making the realest shit and being in a truly great position as friends with the guys. That's, I mean, dude. that's all that actually matters. If I really, like, if I really look at Under Oath and go, what do I fucking care about? Yeah. And I'm thankful we have, we have many fans. We're so lucky. We're so fucking lucky. Don't get me wrong. But if I really distill it down in Under Oath, like, what are my goals there? It's to make yeah. the realest stuff that I know how to, and mm-hmm. to keep my friendships intact with those guys, because there's been many times in the last 20 years when they weren't.
0: Well, I was just going to say that to you. It's like, okay, we're reminiscing on the good old days, like 04, right? But I remember from our last podcast, I ask you, I'm like, if you could go back and change anything, what would it be? And we basically get to this spot where you're like, we were at the best time of our career and our lives as far as growth and where the band yeah. was at, but we couldn't communicate. And we were all in this terrible turmoil amongst each other. So it's like, that must have been a fucking horrible feeling. And that must have been the same thing of waking up and being like, this sucks. So it's like you have gotten past that. And now for you to say that and like, look where you're at with your brothers. Like, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. And it's hard. I think it's hard to like. It's hard at some point to like, look at this success, whatever, whatever you want to call all that garbage and go. Yeah. Is this, you know, is, is, is being. Creatively locked together and locked in our friendship, more important than it is, you know. And there's, there's, there is a point in my life where I don't know that I would have said, you know, I would have cited some bullshit example. Like, look at Oasis, man, biggest band in the world. While wow, they fucking hate each other, <laughs> they hate
0: each other. Yeah, <laughs>
1: you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> but the truth is, in my under oath life, that's what I really care about: is that we make yeah. the realest, truest stuff, and that we keep our friendships intact. You know. Dude.
0: That's so beautiful, yeah. and I had an idea for this podcast because, and I'm so glad we talked about everything leading up to this. But I was like, I want to talk about the new album, but yeah. it's like that's so cliche. It's like, oh, you tried a new sound, or what are you excited about? And I no, was like, no, I know you. exactly. Let me
1: stop you really quick, though. I've only done okay, one okay. interview about the new album, so okay. So you should ask it all because I don't know. Well, I, I I've been super busy before before the last two weeks. I've been super busy. And usually me and Spencer do all that press shit. Um, yeah. and I've done less this time just because my day job has been super busy. So I've only done one interview about Voyeurist. It was with Apple Music. So
0: Okay. Well, I promise you though that this is gonna be different because I have to be myself. I can't front like Mm-mm. I'm a music journalist and I don't play music, and there's a lot of technical things I'm I'll miss. So like I can't cover that properly. I'm not it. the guy for that. But <laughs> I know but. exactly what I want to talk about. And it's, it's similar to what you were saying with Tim explaining that. And it's like, yes, we always talk about the grass is greener, but there will be a moment that this conversation is a point in time that we look back on that feels like some amount of, I don't know if it's the good old days, but it's some amount of reminiscing. God, that's wild. So to me, I just want to know 100% you specifically Aaron going into this album and like your feelings. And I want you to paint that picture and that experience and that vignette just for yourself. Cause that's all we can speak on. And I don't really care who features on the album or what it covers and that like, that's just not me and I won't represent it properly, but take me to day one of you guys being like, all right, it's album time. Where did you record? What month did that start? Where's your head? At?
1: What are you inspired by? Like, take me there. How long ch- I mean it's kind con- dude, it's it's a saga, man. Well, I'm so, here for
0: as long as you can.
1: So we made race. Me in 20 it came out in 2018. And I have to go back that far for you to understand anything I'm about to say. We yeah. made that album and we were pretty creatively disjointed. And let me tell you why. Okay. Um we got back together. Oh shit, I'm going back further. We got back together to. we do got it. back together in 2016. The band got back together. We did that rebirth tour where we played "They're Only Chasing Safety" and "Define the Great Line" cover to cover. Yeah, yeah. And we really thought that was it for the band. Really, that was the whole plan. Yeah. We sat in a seafood restaurant in the middle of that tour, (laughs) and we're like, "Are we going to keep going?" Because the tour was like sold out months in advance. Like it was, it was the, it was crazy. That was the, yeah, it was nuts.
0: And everyone was like, "I think this is
1: it." And some of us were like, maybe, maybe not. You know, I don't know. After that tour, Spencer and I's friendship, we always text each other like every day. And we always have, but like, we started being like, I want to see you. So he started flying to Salt Lake City where I live. And, and I have a studio here. And we started making songs, like just doing it. This is for Erase Me, right? So this is like 2017 now. And then that, that, that sort of like Get Back Together tour kept going. So, yeah. like, we did a tour with Bring Horizon. And then, yeah. we were like, l- then we were like, let's take the Rebirth tour to Australia. Let's take it to Europe. Let's take it to England. It kept going. And at this point, we kind of knew, you know, like, Tim had started bringing, like, s- song vignettes to sound check and still, like, sort of secretly Spencer and I were writing songs. And then we started sharing it with the guys and everyone wasn't sure if they were all the way in or not. It was a whole thing. Right. So finally, the four of us, like there's six guys in the band, but four guys record and write. Um, Sure. So we were like, the four of us were like, okay, let's make a record. So I hadn't been in the studio with the band since 2008. Oh, my God. Right. Because I quit in 2010, which we talked about. That's right. which We talked about last time. Exactly. So I felt like. I don't want to step on any toes.
0: And you there's almost this,
1: felt like the new kid in the your new own guy band. Yeah. And there is a, there is a, there is like sort of a power struggle sometimes between Spencer and I, and it's not, a I, power would, st- I mean, I would imagine that's with many bands. Yeah. But the power struggle is weird and it's gone mm. now. And I'll get to that. Mm. It's gone now. But at the time who sings more, who sings less, it's always been that kind of thing. You know, you're mm. the drummer, so you should sing less, but, but I want to sing this part, but I wrote it, but you, so do you know what I mean? And we've all we always yes. write all the lyrics together and it doesn't matter who sings what, but there's always been like a, does somebody in the band, someone else in the band want me to sing more? I want you to sing. You know what I mean? Oh, so I yeah. sort of just took the seat on, erase me of like, I'm just going to go with it. And mm-hmm. I was very heavy handed in the writing. Don't get me wrong. Like mm-hmm. we wrote all the lyrics together, but I did not open my mouth. 50% of You didn't the time. want
0: to step on toes. Like, you guys had this new vibe. You didn't want to fuck it up. It felt fragile. Yes. You were back in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: we make that record. It's awesome. I love that record today. It gets nominated for a yeah. Grammy. Crazy Thanks shit happens. We tour the world. Yeah. 2019, <clears throat> we tour with Allison Chains, Chains, who is like my high school favorite, and Corn. Yeah. And Thanksgiving of 2019, we do a residency at the House of Blues in Disney with a day to remember. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So all of our kids are there. The next step is writing a record. You know? So this is November of 2019. Oh, my God. This is before
0: any pandemic. And yeah, yeah.
1: So you're so, on
0: the highest high. Under Oath is back. Yeah. You're doing these incredible festivals and shows that yeah, are yeah. unbelievably bigger than
1: things you've done. We in all the past. sat together at the Grammys. It was crazy, dude. Right? Like. We didn't, we didn't win, but still, you know, we were there. So what? It was magic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I have this Tiffany medal they gave us hanging up on the wall right here. So any, anyways, it was awesome. So, so Thanksgiving of 2019, we played these shows and I'm sorry I have to go back so far, but you'll understand. So yeah, <clears throat> we start talking about making the next album and we've got pieces of songs and, you know, we've been sharing stuff at this point and it's way more collaborative now. You know, I've mm-hmm. been back in the band for three years. I'm ready to fuck. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're back. You yeah, got yeah. So stride. like we're yeah. sharing stuff and doing the whole thing. And we decide we're going to use the producer from the last album. So, but we have this weird thing. We're like, we want to make it at home in Florida. You know, um, about a mile and a half from King State, um, our friend is the pastor of a church. And it's this old building that was built in like, probably the 50s or 60s, maybe older. But they built, mm-hmm. like, a, broad, a radio broadcast studio there in the 50s, and it's still there. It's, like, on the nice. third floor of this building. And he's one of our oldest friends, so we just have keys, and we built our own studio up there. Tim Tim built a studio, and then yeah. we just started adding to it through the years. Like, we make wow. all kinds of shit up there. That's where we made Voyeurist. So, wow. But we decide we're going to fly this producer in, and we want to oh. do a lot of the lifting ourselves because in 20 years, we've never self-produced so we want to have like a produced by producer x slash under oath so the pandemic starts so we write in february all together uh all six of us actually write together in florida which is the first time we've done that since lost in the sound of separation in 2020 in 2020 february
0: oh my god so this is actually before the pandemic hits
1: hits yes yes so we all there was write together. Writing on the walls. Yeah, of dude, it. I'm so dude, sorry, dude. You're right. you're right. Dad joke. Right. So we write. We write two songs, maybe three. One was a song called "We're All Gonna Die," which is hilarious. Fuck. That's on the actual album. Fuck. Uh, a song called "Numb," which is mm-hmm. on the actual album, and oh yeah, a song called um, "Take a Breath," which is on the album. We wrote in this one session, all six of us in one room. Um, wow. Jamming, old school, drinking wine, um, and then the world closes. So we get through these, we get through these sessions, and then it becomes like we're passing files back and forth, and the world's closed, right? So like I'm working on Zoom all the time. Tim oh, is trying, Everybody
0: goes back home. Like yeah, everybody. Tim goes is trying to, to figure families.
1: out how to keep King's State afloat. That's you know, right. It's like fucking wild times. So everything kind of yeah. gets pushed. So we're supposed to, and, and in June of twenty, we're supposed to go into a Slipknot. Um, oh, fuck. And they just straight up cancel. They don't postpone. Like, they're just like, yeah, nope, oh. we're good. Like they just shut oh. it, turn it off. You know what I mean? Like, nope. So that gets canceled. So then we start like around the summertime, we start traveling back to Florida, like to write, oh, which is not, yeah. Florida's dangerous at the time. And in, in the middle of the summer, we do summer of 20, we do, um, the observatory live stream. So we really put, Yeah. We talked about that, yeah. 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 So we put, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're right in the middle of making, writing the record at this point, not making it yet. So, right after that, we go home for like, I go home for like two, three weeks. Then I come back. This is like August, September, September, October. Sorry, of twenty, and we write the bulk of the album in that studio, the four of us. Um, and with the plan of knowing at this point, we're supposed to make this album in twenty, and. I'll get to the juicy stuff in a second, but I want to lay the framework so you understand. Wait, so this, the, I'm
0: in, dude. I'm fucking in. <laughs> so
1: you understand the time the timeline is so important because of what the what was happening in the world. Um, yeah. And I haven't even talked about the album yet, but I'll get there. So we, uh, September, October, into November a little bit, we wrote the bulk of the record, 95% of the record. Um, wow. Me, Tim, Chris, um, and Spencer, and JJ, yeah. our front of house guy who is who engineered the album, was there the whole time. Amazing. And James came by at some point. Grant came by at some point. We always have an open door policy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And we really love this stuff. Like, I like it. So I like the demos so much. I think we could have put them out sometimes. Wow. Um, so this leaves us around the holidays. So everyone goes home. Holidays of last yeah. year. Year ago. Yeah. So everybody goes home and we're like, okay, January 21, we're going to make this record. Right? So... We go home, we have a Zoom call, and we still, in all this time, we still haven't nailed the producer for the album. Like we haven't, like we know who he's gonna be. He's in to do it. Or so we think he's in to do it. He's gonna fly to Florida to our place, you know. Cause we thought like I ask truly a dumb like question. Yeah.
0: You might have literally just been about to say it. At this point, if you're that close, did it never cross your minds of like, fuck it, let's just do it ourselves?
1: Hold on. So Okay. <laughs> So, so we're, we're like, we're like, we, so define the right line, chasing safety, all those records we didn't have, like, we had producers, but it was more people like steering us the last 10%. Yeah. We put all this okay. work in and then, okay. so we like, we're like, so what if like, not like erase me. What if like, we get, go back to the roots of like, we just need the executive to come in and push the last 10%. Maybe we can't trust ourselves for the last 10% because we never have in 20 years. Yeah. We've never completely yeah. done it ever. Right. Yeah. And it, I,
0: I know, I think that anyone can relate to that feeling because as much as you know, you're good at what you do and you're a professional f- hitting send and shipping the final product without anyone else touching it feels incomplete. And like, it might be a mental thing, but having someone button up that 10% dude, just validates it.
1: Dude. I always think about it like NASCAR because I'm, I'm, I'm a race fan. Hell as you yeah. Know. If you were to, If you were to frame off, do a NASCAR, like a stock car, it's different now because of next gen. And that's a whole fight that we can have later in the podcast. But like, (laughs) if you were to frame off, build a car and I'm going to Daytona in February and there was no crew chief or car chief, no engineer, no brake team, you'd be fucking scared. Even if you had all the parts and pieces, right? Like even if you could believe you could do it, you'd be terrified, right? Absolutely.
0: Like I'm going to take Absolutely. this to Daytona
1: and go 215 miles an hour. I'm going to kill myself. That's what's going to happen.
0: Totally. Like this things going to no co- other eyes or hands on the car to check it. Like, this is going to come scary. This is
1: going to catch on fire and come apart. I'm going to die. That's yeah, so Dude, yeah. So in so many that ways, you had
0: that feeling with the album or not well, continue the story. Not so, yet. Yeah.
1: So we wanted that extra 10%. So this is crazy. Yeah. 3 weeks before start date. We still haven't had the producer sign a contract. Or agree on or make financial agreements, so we do this Zoom call. <clears throat> I'm sitting in this seat, and he's like, "I only got a few minutes. I'm busy," or "or I only got a few." Like <sighs> it was really strange. Like he was like, you could tell he was like, and I love this guy dearly. Like he's a friend. Yeah, but you could tell it was like it wasn't just something we with weren't the vibe, connecting. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was just the universe, whatever you want to call it, kind of handing us what we really wanted. You know, but he was mm-hmm. like. I don't know. Like, he's like, I don't really want to be involved 10%. I want to edit the drums. I want to do all the, and Tim was like, well, we want to do that. We just want you to. So basically we could not meet eye to eye on how much of the, how much of the work he did and didn't do. Cause he felt like as a producer, he wanted to be really, really involved, which I don't blame him for. Totally. Um, after that phone call, I mean, after that zoom call, he hangs up, he's like, let me know what you decide. So we all get into a conference call and I, and we were like, let's just fucking go. Do it ourselves, and at that moment—this is in, this is a year ago. At that yeah. moment, it's like it was really empowering, you know. Like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Like, we all make music for other people for a living, yeah. But it was like we have never—you, you've never built your own Daytona 500 car. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah. So I get off the phone and immediately I'm like, "What did we just do?" Oh fuck! And now the story starts. So. Three weeks later, I fly to Florida, and we start making an album with no help. Um, oh, my God. For the first the time hardest, in Under Oath's career. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, I wouldn't take any of it back. But there, there was a ton of moments during that thing where I hated what we were doing. Not musically, but just like the fact that we had decided. And I think Spencer probably said to me a hundred times, took us a hundred days to make the record. And I think in those hundred days, he probably said to me a hundred times, like, this is why you hire other people. This is why you hire other people. <laughs> this is why you hire. And it was never, this is the thing though. This is what you don't realize about creative, uh, making something musical, make, making something creative and, and trusting yourself. This is what you don't realize, especially in music. Producers, the audio, like them making the song sound a certain way, I believe is less than 10%. I believe it's like 2.5%. And the other 98% is a social thing. Them oh, them like corralling the horses. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. I produce other artists and I know like it's about yeah. like making someone feel good and then not. Gaslighting him against another guy. You know what I mean? That whole thing. There's so, a lot
0: of like personal, mental back and forth that isn't just technical music. So
1: musically, we're all pretty happy. But socially, it was the the hardest thing I've ever done. And here's where it, the truth really comes out for me is there's always been this vocal power struggle. And it's not... I don't know whose fault it is and that, you know, and I've never talked about it in the press before. So I don't know that like Spencer's a great singer, the best frontman. Um. Yeah. So I, it's not about like, do I want him to sing here or scream here or that, that but, but like th- there was this thing, of, there's always been this thing of like, who's going to do this? You know what I mean? Right. Like, what's this going to be like? Like, What's what are we gonna do? What's this gonna be like? It's always been that way. And in this session, I freaked out one day and was like, I have never been able to tell you when I think I should sing something. And I need you to be okay if I sing it with you still believing that it's coming out of your mouth. You know, we write everything together. And that moment is the most important moment to me in Under Earth history is us looking at each other and going if i do it or if you do it it doesn't matter like if you're doing it it's just like i'm doing it because we did it together and it doesn't matter whose mouth it comes out of but this was like a this was like a knockdown, drag out four hour we all got drunk as hell like it was really it started out with him being like fuck you guys and me being like well fuck it was you, a man. therapy session like but we've never had it to this extent where like under Oath has always been, and I'll say this begrudgingly, but truthfully, it's always, we've skirted a lot of stuff for a lot of times, especially yeah. with this the singing scenario. Right. You know, like I sang a lot on Chasing Safety oh and then God. he started singing more on Define the Great Line. And then, you know, they made a whole last record without me. Right. And then right. I come back and I don't really put my whole foot in the gas on Erase Me. And then we get to Voyeurist. you're and,
0: very aware of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get to Voyeurist and I'm like, Here's the whole thing. This is what I think, you know? And I, and then in, in, in my fault, I wasn't saying every time, like, I should do this. I should do this. I should do this. You know, I, I was like playing both sides of the fence, like trying right. to be nice and like be the cool guy. But then also like, I have disdain because I think I should sing this part, you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. I've got other guys in the band saying, Hey man, like, it'd be cool if you sang this. And then Spencer not knowing. And then, so this one night, and I don't know at what process we're pretty far in the process of making Voyeurist. It just blows up. I'm like, no one will fucking tell you what they think because they're scared to. I mean, it's bad. Like, it's bad. And we were crying. I had this huge black bruise on my leg from punching my leg from like being like, I fucking, you know what I mean? Like that. Like, at some point, JJ, our engineer real. and front of house guy, production manager, goes to the gas station and buys like a bucket of beer and sits it in the middle <laughs> of the floor. And we just go for hours. And in the end, The conclusion that in my mind, and I I think he would say the same thing, the conclusion that we came to is no matter who says it, it's coming out of both of our mouths. It doesn't matter who actually does it. But for the first time in our history as a band, we confronted that issue. And that to me is the crux of Voyeurist. So when I listen to it, it is my very, very, very favorite Under Oath album because each guy is where he's supposed to be. You see what I'm saying? Like each guy is right where he should be as a singer. And it doesn't matter who's saying it. Like Spencer said, dude, this was so important to me. He told me the other day that we did that digital ghost live stream like the third of last, almost a month ago. Yeah. And there's a part that I get off the drums and I'm like walking and it's on the song pneumonia. He goes, that's my favorite vocal part on the whole record. And in the past, and we would have fought over who sang that, not fought, but it would have been like the happy fight. Like, I don't know, man. I right. think that like. You know what I mean? And I just sang it on the record because we had that big that big moment. And Tim was there and Chris was there and it was brutal, dude. It was brutal. And I haven't talked about it, but I think Voyeurist is my favorite record because for the first time in 20 years, you get the true, it's truly distilled under oath. There is not a skeleton in the closet today in 2021. Not one. Which we've never, ever, 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 ever done. And I could go into like, You know why you don't care about this. There's so many reasons why it sounds the way that it does, and the choices that we made, and we made it ourselves. But what the important part, I think, for your podcast, and I think for you and I as friends to talk about is the fact that, like, there's truly no skeletons in the closet on that record. In every other record before, I think there has been. (sighs) You have me fucked up, dude. That is so.
0: I mean, earlier you were saying a huge goal of yours is to make the realest, most meaningful stuff to you in 2022. And it's like, if that does not show exactly that, like, dude, you have, that is so huge. And to be in a band with, with them for 20 years, like, I feel it too. Like, that's, it's crazy to talk about now, but like, that's so real. And that's not a point of disliking each other or any of these like things. It's just like, There's so many dynamics and there can be this tension and there can be all of these things and it's this respect and there's all of these things. So to, to be able to isolate and articulate that and to be like, again, it's crazy because you told me on that last podcast, the thing you wish you could have done was just take two or three shows off and talk. Yeah. And you were forced to do it and you fucking did it.
1: It was awful. I mean, I, I, you know what, you know, what's funny is like, I. I can't imagine making a record like that again. And I know that we're going to because we have uh, found a formula that works for us. But like, maybe it'll be easier this time and maybe it won't. But like, the conversation, like, I don't want to like dramatize it more than it should be. But like, it was ugly, man. Like, it yeah. wasn't like- It was probably real. It it was real, but it wasn't like, you know, I'm finally going to tell you what I've been thinking about. For, <laughs> it was like, fuck you, dude. I hate you. Like it was that, yeah. Yeah, you know, it was, yeah. Like it was a lot And it. And it, I realized how deep it was, you know, Spencer has publicly talked about his, he had a 15 year drug problem and Fuck. he's completely recovered from it. And we're so thankful this is years ago, but like in the height of our band, he was in the, in the throes of this drug issue. And I think that I was holding on to a lot of stuff from that. You know, because yeah. I was really the only one that was kind of clued in. I mean, everyone knew, obviously, but I was the only one that was really clued into how bad it was. And like, we were right. living together and like, I saw it. And I think a lot of my issues with him, you know, and, and and a lot of our creative power struggle issues were rooted in that. For me, I don't know about for him, but for me, a lot of them were rooted in that. <clears throat> and I pulled that shit out, which was like, I think he was surprised more than anything that <sighs> I remembered you know, that yeah. I remembered some of these scenarios from like 06, 07, 05, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and that's how we could, we really showed each other, I think though, in that moment, in that day, that conversation, we really showed each other, hey man, I love you because I remember this and I love you because I want you to remember this with me and, and maybe we can both get to zero because we both know where we were then and we need to find a way to patch that up and heal that so we can make the greatest thing now, you know, which is like, you you got there, you got did it, right. But it was, it was wild, dude.
0: What do you think got you there though? Like to, to like in, in essence of like, tell like a story, like, like what, what got you there? Was it you just being emotionally mature enough and both of you being emotionally mature enough to finally be at the spot or was it, was it the song just wasn't going to happen unless you had the conversation? Like, how did you get there?
1: That I wish that it was the, the latter um, or the former instead of the latter. Yeah. Like, I wish I could tell you, you know, Andrew, like I'm 39 almost. Like, yeah. I've just matured so much emotionally. Like, it's incredible. <laughs> like, you yeah. should, you wouldn't believe how emotionally mature I am. No, dude, it was yeah. we were when you make music in the studio, like. I feel like there's these weird vignettes, and I'll get a little technical on you. I feel like these there's Please, vignettes yeah. of time when you're making an album, like yeah, and it's different in pop music. It's different in country. You know, country most of the time is made the instruments are recorded live. Pop music is mostly computer work. Um, with rock music though, like you if you're recording and, they, and and they all flush and they're all they're all intertwined. Some rock music's all made on a computer, but like. Mm. With how we do it is there's real drums and real guitars and real bass and then real vocals. And then Chris does his, is Chris is doing his thing simultaneously the whole time. Chris records mm. himself and you'll just, you'll get a, a airdrop. Here you go. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> kind of how he does it. He sits in the corner and you don't hear anything for like three days. And then, and it then just, it's just, and you're like, oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, or he'll take like a whole day where he's like, no one come in till 1 p.m. I'm busy. You know, and he'll like take over the speakers, but. So there's vignettes when you're inside of making a record where there's drums for days, you know, or like, there's like, I call them basic tracks for days where there's guitars, bass and drums for days. And there's no singing happening. You know what I mean? Like Spencer and I are back at an Airbnb in the mornings and late at night writing lyrics and then like recording it into this microphone on my laptop, like making demos on top of the real tracks. There's all these moving parts. So there's, but it feels like it's compartmentalized when you're in it. Does that make sense? Like, you're like, I'm in drumland. Like, I'm yeah. not thinking yeah. about like the end product, you totally. know, like, and
0: like those like the album whiteboard and you have the songs and then you have every element. And like, I I, I kind of know it, you like, know, as much we as I'm don't, not we,
1: the artist. I, yeah, we don't do the whiteboard thing, but like, oh, OK, we, we're very still unor- like, yeah. we're very unorganized in that way. Um, But like, you know, like there's these vignettes of time. So it was like kind of punch time, vocal time. We were like halfway through like this whole thing happened like halfway through the album on vocals. And it got to a point where, like, there was some stuff that I wanted to do and needed to do. And there's some stuff that I needed him to do in a way that I wanted him to do it. You know, not, not oh, like singing wow. like I'm telling you to, but, like, yeah, I want, I want this style instead of that style, Spencer. Right, right. You know what I mean? And I was uncomfortable. It was like, this is the
0: vision, and it's time to record the vision.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, yeah. and he has the same vision, but there's, like, I'm talking about sections. You know what I mean? Like, we're all, like, mm. locked on the vision at this point. Like, we fired... Didn't fire, but we'd never hired the producer like we, right? It, you know what I mean. We decided we're, that we're yeah. good on the vision in terms of like, but there's like little things that we need to change, and there's there's sections that I'll just come out and say I want to sing, I don't want you to sing, I want to do it, and not because mm-hmm. I really believe that I'm any cooler or better than you, but I think I'm better for that than you.
0: Sure, yeah, you know like, what I mean. Like the dynamic I've, of Underoath, like where whose voice sounds. Better for the song and for the part and what it's communicating.
1: Yeah. So to answer your question, I wish that it was emotionally mature, but it much like you just said in asking the question, it got to the place where, like, we got to push the red button and we got, you know, we need to do this fucking now. And we're not ready to do this now. So how do we get ready to do this now? You know what I'm saying? Like, like that. Uh, So it was sort of like, You know, gun to the head, pirate ship, walk the plank. It was going to happen if we were going to make Voyeurist, I think. Like, let me take it back. It was going to happen if we were going to make Voyeurist like Voyeurist lives today and comes out in 12 days. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wouldn't be coming out in 12 days if we hadn't have done that. Or it would be coming out and not, not have been completely what it is. Or there's a world
0: where you, like, break the band up off of not being able to communicate. Again. Maybe. I don't know.
1: Again. (laughs) Again. So, yeah, it was like, and I I, I look back on that day, and I'm really, I wish I had the date. I think about that often. Um, Around when was it? (sighs) What'd you say? Around when? Uh, March. Probably March of of 21. Like, February, March. I want to say maybe April. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Probably March. I think March. Because we would go make, we would we were on our own time. You know what I mean? Right. So it took a hundred days to make that record and then more days yeah. to mix it. So we just sort of like, you know, we didn't unorganize. It's
0: crazy because I think about, I'm trying to remember when it was that I met up with you there. Uh, no, this was earlier. This was. This was the end of 20. This was holiday time 2020. Yeah. Because I remember going to King State or the food store and uh seeing you and Spencer there and it was exactly what you explained. You were just all in Florida working on the album but like totally like just chumming it up, chopping it up, being homies. Yeah. It was it's crazy. So like hearing every bit of emotion in that and yeah. like
1: yeah oh my god you painted that dude it was crazy dude i and i really think that like i hate there's nothing worse than like (laughs) i'm such a fan of music you know like Mm. i listen to podcasts and i read the books and i have a thousand vinyl Mm. in my living room and we listen to it every day and like i'm such a fan and there's as a fan if i take myself out of the equation as an artist i fucking hate when musicians are like our new stuff is just the best And I don't know why I hate it. I feel like in some ways it's like condescending. Like everything you loved about us before isn't as good as this. So you're wrong, listener. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But As a fan,
0: you're like, fuck you. I like the album that I like.
1: But I will (laughs) say this. I do think Voyeurist is the best Under oath record for the reasons that I just said. Um, Oh, my God. That it's like truly it. Like you're getting it. Like all of it. And I know that it doesn't sound like define the great line or fucking chasing tape, whatever. We're 20, we're 39 years old. But like, yeah. socially and emotionally, yeah, it is completely true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's completely- Well, you know what's interesting?
0: is I don't consider myself Under Oath super fan. I fucking love you guys as people, and I respect the hell out of it. And I know the albums loosely enough. Hmm. Like, when I watch you play, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know most of these songs. But, like, I, I can't tell you Under Oath trivia. I can't go into this. You're not that, listening
1: to it in the gym. Yeah, I get it. No, no, no. Like, it's just like, oh,
0: yeah, this is dope. But, like, I never, I'm not deep dive Under Oath guy. When I listen to the singles that I've heard on Voyeurist, there is a feeling of this reminds me of old Under Oath. And it feels the word that I come to is raw. And it's very interesting hearing you explain this because of course it's raw now hearing it, it's you guys who did it. It's pure, it's absolutely unfiltered Under Oath. There's no other factor. So sure, you've grown up, your influence has changed. You've, You've drawn inspiration from new things. Production has evolved.
1: But, like, it feels very raw in a cool way. Well, dude, thank you, man. But I think the biggest thing I should say is, like, I'm going to correct you a little bit. Your production hasn't evolved. Um, Oh. In terms of, like, I mean, of course, computers are different. Editing is different. But, like, if we were to, like, do the legacy big band thing and go to some huge, gorgeous studio and have people do everything for us, that's evolved. Mm. This is, like... Like the the kick drum microphone Evolved. was duct taped to a stand. Like this, oh, was wow. ve- this was very raw on purpose. Right. You know what I mean? Like we're like, we have to make this ourselves. So so emotionally, yes, it's raw, but also like it's pretty fucking raw. Like, you know, like Define the, the Great Lines mixer was Chris Rauji who mixed everything. Go Google his name. He's mixed everything you've ever listened to. You know yes, what I mean? like
0: I actually, I
1: know that name. Yeah, we um, hired a buddy to mix this. This was wow. like- very dude like we call it food store studios this whole thing is food store studios you know what I mean like we like we like went all the way back to the well which is I think the way that we felt about making shit in 03 and 04 you know it's like wow it, it, and sort of like not on purpose and kind of on pur- I don't know man but yeah mm-hmm. I, it is raw and I think that a big part of that is the emotional component but there is a technical component where We didn't want it to be overly done you know what i mean like you know what's
0: interesting about that is in both of yours and tim's interviews when i talked to you on the first rounds there we came to this like respect for the new generation of how cool we think it is mm -hmm. that kids can take a laptop and just make anything and as you're saying that i'm kind of thinking about it and it's like yeah sure you're not kids and like you've got real instruments but This feels like your version of that. Like this feels like y'all just using the resource that you have. And it's like, all right, cool. Like we're going to build this studio a mile down the street from the food store. We're going to use what we have. We're going to use our friends and we're going to make the sounds that we can make. And that's really fucking cool.
1: Dude, it's funny to talk about because like (laughs) where we made that album, like our, our studio is like two eight by 10 rooms like it's not it's gross you know what i mean it's in a, it's in an attic yeah i recorded like 90% of the drums in my underwear cuz it was too hot to like
0: it was, it was just florida and did, just in a did, fucking non ac i love that
1: shit but anyway like you know like i it is our version of that and i think that what really gave us the gas and sort of the um the courage to make it ourselves was the fact that like, so where I'm sitting right now, I sit 50, 60 hours a week and make people's stuff on my laptop. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like yeah. all the time, Chris makes movies in his house, movie scores for people, you know, yeah. like journeys, commercials and shit. Like, and we're like, why can't we, why can't we make this our thing too? You know what I mean? It's funny. Cause it's like, it's like when it's your family and people you're closest to, it's always the hardest to pull the, the proverbial trigger on stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when it's like, you know, I just produced a record right before the holidays in Wichita. And mm-hmm. I took all of my gear, trucked it to Wichita, set up, a, set up a studio in a loft space and made a band's entire album in seven days. Yep. Like, and I didn't even think about it. Like it no. was like, yeah, yeah you just do it. Like and, until I'm talking about right now, I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, I'll, that's easy. You know, totally. <laughs> it's already, it's, it's at mix right now. Like, I didn't even think about it. Like, but when it's your own thing, it's like, wait, it's like, is that okay? And especially if your own thing is successful, you know, like, there's all this pressure. There's yeah. This you're extra, like, yeah. Can I build the Daytona 500 car and get it up yeah. to minimum speed? Like, can I do yeah. that? Is that something I'm even capable of doing? Even
0: though you've been racing for 20 years. Yeah, I've been and racing.
1: 20 yeah. years. We've done the Daytona 500 20 times. But for some yeah. reason, you know, you can't. Like, I wrote a record when I was 23. Uh, for a side project, I have called the almost um, called Southern Weather, and that ter- oh, yeah. that term is what that's about. It's like in the South, growing up, you kn- it's always the hardest to talk to your family, you know. Like uh, it's always the hardest uh. to be like, "I love you" or "I hate you," you know, or like, "Fix this about yourself," like, and I I'll fix this about my-. you. Can't do that. So I think yeah. that there's there's always been a little bit of that with us, where it's like, you know, can you just bite off the bullet and do it yourself? And I think that right. we learned that this time is like, and it's a, it's a proof of concept for us. It's so dumb 20 years in, but I finally feel like I have proof of concept for under oath. Isn't that stupid? Well, I was
0: 20 years. My next question for you was what did you learn ultimately in doing this now that it's done? What did you learn? And you just
1: said it, didn't you? That we can, that we know who we are um, and that we know how to make what we want to make. And that, to me, if no one listens to the album, is worth it. You know what I mean? Like, and I hope I hope it's successful because that would just be the cherry, right, on top. Like, we did it ourselves, proof of concept, and it, it's fucking big or, you know, whatever. Like, but yeah. I do think um, that if nothing happens with Voyeurist, I'm so proud of it because um, I know that me and my friends can make what we want to make. Holy fuck. Big deal, man. Right? That is a big, big deal. It's a big deal. And I'm, dude, I'm so, the relief that I feel is like, it's it's immense, immense relief. Because I'm so proud. I'm proud of the music. Yes. But I'm mostly proud of us that we were able to start with zero and turn something into a record label. Mixed and mastered that we made ourselves and we didn't kill each other in the process. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Dude, that's uh, that's awesome. That's everything I wanted it to be. And it's like again, too, it was really interesting going into this follow-up podcast because like I like accidentally, I think we made an absolutely incredible two-part episode with the first thing. Yeah. And I like I was like hard pressed. Like I, I was like. I don't want to say nervous, but I I put some weight on my shoulders where I was like, well, fuck, what do I talk to him about now? Like, we covered it. Like, we talked so much. And, you know, we always have good conversation every time we talk. But I was like, how do I make this something meaningful? How do I how do I make this more than just talking in circles of what are you up to? And I felt a certain pressure to talk about the album. And I didn't want it to be tell me about each song breakdown. And what we, what you explained and what I understood out of this. And I'm so glad you went all the way back to erase me and really painted it. Because now, like, as that casual listener, like, I could not be more excited. I I could not be more excited about anything coming out.
1: I think this is a better podcast than the other one.
0: Fuck. All right. Let's let's go. go. Well, the
1: reason I think that is because, like, I love when you, as a a podcast, like, consumer. I Mm. love when you listen to a podcast and there's one question asked and then it just goes. Mm. Like mm-hmm. you really asked one question. Mm. We talked about life in the last twenty months, which was very organic and normal. And then um, you asked one question, and we went for an hour and a half. That's the way you do it. Yeah, that's yeah. the way you do it, bro.
0: So good, bro. So wow. good. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> well, shoot. Is there any other specific to shout out? Catch y'all on tour. Listen I mean, to wherever the
1: fuck you want to. We're starting a tour know. February eighteenth with Every Time I Die and Spirit Box um mm-hmm. it starts in soon i don't it's okay. yeah it starts trying to i'm trying to, th- I'm trying to uh, so what oh no
0: <laughs> i'm trying to find um the opening the phone after do not disturb and everything is goo- 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 goo.
1: yeah Yeah. Uh, it starts no february 8, it starts february 18th um spirit box and every time i die uh it starts in dallas texas um on the cool. 18th at a place called the Southside Ballroom and it goes through until um the end end of March I think 26th or 27th something like that um yeah. the album Voyeurist comes out in 12 days from today January 14th um there's four or five songs out now um that I'm super excited about um yeah. But yeah, I think the biggest thing that I want to say, you know, in summation of this whole thing is if you're listening to it, if you listen to this and you listen to the album, try to listen to it through this lens, which I think is is gonna be the most beneficial. So
0: yeah. Fucking A, man. That's so cool. Fucking a dude. <sighs> it's always a pleasure, dude. It's it's so always fun, a man.
1: Listen anytime. Any, anytime.
0: So there you have it. Another incredible episode with Aaron, the story of Voyeurist. I am so impressed and inspired and I just everything every time I talk to him every time I think about anything with that band I'm left with this feeling of pure inspiration and just being impressed so I hope you walked away from that whether you're a deep under oath fan or a casual listener or just interested in him as a person I hope you walked away with that with that same feeling and enjoyed it make sure to share the album with your friends make sure to tell everyone you know about it word of mouth helps any type of media grow the absolute most as I'm recording this I haven't edited it yet, but I'm imagining that there was a bunch of other bits that I had to edit out of the main episode that I'm going to then put onto the Patreon as a bonus episode. So go check that out if you'd like even more. That's patreon.com where are all my friends. The last thing that I should say is I just made a discord for the podcast where we've started to build a really incredible community and we've had some really rad conversations. It's a much more casual. We'll all jump on there in the voice channel. I'll answer people's questions. We'll talk about the state of the industry and careers. Uh, And it feels like a really rad community. So I'd love you to join. I've put a link in the description to all of this. I think that says it all. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I'll be back next week with another.